podcast one production. My six-year-old Lockie and I have these really special moments that we share together. Often it is cuddles in bed first thing in the morning and sometimes we talk deep, but other times we might just talk about volcanoes and slime. But regardless, there's just this beautiful connection. It's almost like two magnets attracting each other and it's just this beautiful warm glow between us. But lately I've noticed that the magnets are almost repelling a little bit like I'll take a step towards Lockie and he'll take a step away or I'll look at him and try to connect and he'll look the other way and the next 10 years kind of flashes before me and I think is this the beginning of my little boy not needing me and moving away from me and is this going to be the world's longest breakup (laughs) it's kind of what it feels like This is Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. Being a mum can sometimes feel dichotomous. We're meant to feed, clothe, bathe and run the house with military precision. Yet, on the other hand, we're meant to forge these loving, deep connections with our kids as well. You know, sometimes we can find that happy balance while feeling deeply connected with our children. But often we can lose it again and, you know, basically turn into a barking sergeant. We all want to know if we're getting it right. And even if we do feel deeply connected with our child right now, what about in the future? What about when they turn into those aloof, distant teenagers? Oh, my heart just aches thinking about that stage to come. In this episode, I've enlisted the help of teacher, counsellor and parent educator Kayleen Harry, who runs workshops on building a bond with your children called Circle of Security. Kayleen's going to help us explore the ways that we can build a beautiful bond with our kids. Thanks so much for coming on today, Kayleen. Thanks, Amelia, for having me here. I wanted to kick off by asking you, you know, obviously every bond between a mother and child is unique, but what exactly does a beautiful bond or connection between mum and child look like? Okay, so I think with a mother and child particularly, you can tell just watching them together. You know, you can see if that child goes to that mum when they need something. Um, you can see the mum being quite attentive to the needs of that child. And the needs of that child are actually um, sort of the key to building that bond. So it's a parent who really knows what's going on with their child, understands their child and is ready to be a welcoming available person for that child. So I think the availability is the most important. They're there ready. And then the approachability, how are they to come to when that child needs something? So in your course, Circle of Security, is that basically the kind of principle? Can you explain the Circle of Security and what that is? Okay. Well, it's a course that was written by um, some psychologists in America and it's been around, I think, since about 1999. So it's a very evidence-based program that's been run in lots of different countries and it really is based on attachment theory. So looking at you know, the development of that relationship, recognising that children are designed for connection to their caregiver. And uh, sometimes that needs to be looked at as what am I doing and what am I not doing? So the course actually looks at the relationship between the parent and child and, you know, what areas are working well and what isn't. 
So it's based on, it's called circle of security. Uh, you've, you want the child to be secure, but the diagram that um, we work through through the whole eight weeks actually works on a picture of a circle. So if you imagine a circle and on the left um, half of the circle, you've got a pair of hands. You are those hands. So you're providing two things. One is a secure base for that child to go and explore but on what we call the top of the circle. And then when that child has a need to have their cup filled or have some other need, they're coming back into you and you become the safe haven for them to do that. So if you start observing, even in a small baby, the circle is very small and obviously the circle extends as children get older, but children are always going out to explore the world and then they're coming back to you for a need to be met. So talk me through the security or the bond needs of children in the different age brackets using that example of the circle. Okay. Well, like I said, the the circle looks very small in a baby. So if you're observing an infant who's sort of non-mobile and non-verbal, you'll just see them sort of, even their looking away um, is them going out to explore the world, then they're coming back to you. So, or if they're upset, they're still there and they're looking for you to comfort them or um, organise their feelings. So if you break it up to naught to 5, you're looking at a child who really just needs you in those few years. Um, You are their world and you are way more important than you can imagine. But with that need also comes the challenge of parents in that age group to go, they just always need me. And I remember, you know, with my four, that it was somebody would always want something from me. And it it can feel really overwhelming in those years because you are the point of contact for their needs. It's funny in doing the research for this topic today and that concept of them coming back to you to fill their cup up. Mm. I observe that, of course, I'm in the thick of that kind of naught to five age bracket and my little one-year-old Ella, you know, I, I... I dare say it, I admit it, that there's sometimes like, oh my goodness, why? Oh, you're just at me again. But then it was just a real mindset shift to go, oh, you're just coming to fill up your little cup of of security. Yes, come, have a little cuddle. Now go, be free. exactly. And it's great that you can recognise that. It did, it was a shift. It was a real... It is a shift, yeah. Yeah. And then I think that's one of the biggest shifts in parents who do the course is because we introduce this concept that they're wanting connection, not just attention. And that can be quite a... A moment when people go, but I just thought they wanted my attention all the time. Well, actually, yes, they do, but they're wanting connection with you to meet, to fill up their cups and and to meet those other needs. What about the five to 10 age group bracket? Yeah, so the five to 10, they're getting more independence. So they're wanting, and they're also a lot of skill mastery in that age group. So they're learning lots of things. They are big on exploration. So they're out moving further away from you, but also needing you. I always have this diagram of like, if you're if you're carrying an infant or a small child in the naught to five, when it comes to five to 10, you're actually walking in the beginning, holding their hand, walking alongside them. And there's, as you get to the 10, you're actually walking just next to them. So So you're there, but you're not sort of micromanaging every area of their life. You're giving them some space, but also the family unit is an incredibly important aspect of those years for them to feel secure. So they actually feel a part of something bigger than themselves and they have that place to come and run things by you. They're learning how to problem solve all the things that come up in their day. And you actually still play a really significant part in making them feel safe in what is they're starting to see could be a bit of a scary world away from as they move further away from you. So by family unit, you're including the other 
caregiver if there is another Absolutely. one um, or a couple. There might be a nanny in there too for some people or a grandparent yep. or and siblings as well. Does yes. that all make up all yeah. that dynamic yeah. makes up that f- kind of that base of security for them? Yeah, because in that age, they're asking, who am I in the world? Who do I relate to? Who are my safe people? Who, who are my support system? Who do I go to? And even though they might not say that out loud, that's that's how a child works, is who do I connect to? So having that family time, especially where you're all together and, and your home is a beautiful place where they're feeling encouraged, they're feeling comforted, they're feeling built up and delighted in, then that becomes their their secure base. What about the 10 to 15 age bracket? Okay, well, 10 to 15, they're starting again with the growing independence from you towards the end of that age group. And, you know, I think these days kids are turning into teenagers a bit earlier <laughs> than they used to as well. So it's it's understanding their need for freedom, their need for respect, and just their need for that. Um, you're not out solving all their problems for them anymore. You're you're really walking alongside them, and you're being more turning more into a consultant than a manager of them. And so it's respecting that as they move away that you're going to manage that as a parent, which is hard because you're having to manage some rejection sometimes and a whole lot of other things. But what they still need still is that family unit as their safe space. Um, so when they come home from school and they've had a hard day, your place is they can breathe. You know, it's their haven but also you are there listening lots and lots and lots as well. Is there any science or evidence that shows what the benefits are for the kids and probably for the parents as well, for that matter? Yeah, for the child, definitely. I mean, the first few years definitely set them up for life emotionally. So they've learned how to manage feelings with you. So what we call co-regulating, they've learned how to deal with big feelings. So they're going to be... um, have a higher emotional intelligence, which is also going to set them up better for their relationships. When they get to school, they're going to know how to manage their emotions. So they're not going to fly off the handle at their friends. They're not going to withdraw away. So just socially, it's going to be better. But also uh, the child knows, like I said, who they are in the world, where their safe place is, and they build those bonds that are going to learn how to relate how to do life in relationship, which is really the future. Everyone's future is your, our lives in relationship. So this is like the, the training ground for that sort of thing. And so that relationship, those early relationships, the bond they connect with you will set them up for life. Oh, I'm sitting here with a little bit of a sinking feeling because I'm thinking about the times that my household is not a harmonious, supporting, loving space. I've got cranky parents, siblings that are fighting, you know, um, busy, maybe a bit distracted. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are some signs that the bond we might have with our kids might be amiss? And please tell me that I'm not screwing up my children. <laughs> you are certainly not screwing up your children. What you just described is probably 99, if not 100% of households. Oh, okay, and, thank you. you know, in the circle of security, they actually... The, the whole idea is that you don't feel judged and overwhelmed and like you're somehow ruining your children's lives. Their, their expectation is if you can do this sort of thing 30% of the time, that's good enough. And so lowering the bar actually lets a whole lot of parents sort of take a breath, drop their shoulders and go, oh, okay, my kids are going to be okay even if I only did this 30% of the time, which is true because life is busy. It's getting busier. 
and the more children you have, the busier your life is. And so trying to um, feel like, oh, and I've got to do all this plus look after, you know, this bond, it's too much and we end up cracking under the pressure and we can't do it. So it's realising that when I've got the opportunity to build these times in where I can sit one-on-one, get them alone, go, how are you going? You're awesome. And, and sort of have those moments, then that's okay because life does get hectic and um, But it's about priorities as well. And sometimes the relationship needs to be made a deliberate priority. And that's what's great about doing a course is even for those eight weeks, you go, I'm just going to do a bit of a um, recalibrate how everything's going and look at what's not working and what is working. And how can I build into my day some of those times? And, you know, just one thing I can think of, I was talking with my kids about the, um, you know, bedtime routine, which can sometimes be one of the stressful, most stressful parts of the day for Everyone's at their ends tether, aren't they? My patience is shot. They're exhausted. It's just a hothouse of emotion. It is. (laughs) And we're losing it just like they're losing it. So um, one thing I did was just have these staggered bedtimes as well. And so my kids knew that, you know, I started with the youngest and finished with the oldest, but they knew that they had that 20 minutes, half an hour, if we were lucky, time of just one-on-one where I'd get into bed with them, we'd read books with them, and that was their time. So even if I didn't find it in the lead up to getting dinner and baths and all that sort of thing, they knew that they were going to have that time at the end of the night. And so that built that in. That's a really great tip. And I know you've got some awesome tips, which I want to get on to a little bit later on. Um, I want to ask you as well about what if we feel like we, we just don't have that connection? Like what are some of the signs that the bond might be broken or it might just be a little bit amiss? Yeah, I don't think the bond's ever broken. I think it's just maybe weakened a uh, little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's a good word to use. And um, and that happens just often when we don't, we're not even noticing it. But I guess, I think children's behaviour is the predictor <laughs> of okay. some of those things. Give me some examples. Okay, so Children's behaviour basically tells you where they're at emotionally. And so if you're getting a lot of meltdowns, if you're getting a lot of um, things that the course actually calls miscuing, so they're doing naughty things often just to get your attention. And so they're what we call a miscue. They actually want you, but they're doing something that they know they're going to find you at the end of it. I remember reading this quote once which said that children will often push to the limit because they know they'll find you at the limit. And because you have to step in and do something there. So that often is, a, I suppose, a bit of a skewed way of children wanting that connection with you, but maybe you haven't picked up the signs earlier and you just get a bit oblivious to, you know, a little bit of frustration can turn into a lot of frustration, which can turn into anger, which turns into rage, which turns into meltdown. So it's sort of realising some of the um, warning signs or the what we call low intensity emotion and then stepping in at that point. So often it's needs that have gone unmet in the child for you to organise their feelings for them or help them do something or comfort them. Um, and in our busyness, you know, it just sort of gets left. And as those things get left more and more, the child starts to go, oh, they're not available, they're not approachable for me, so I'll just go and show it another way. With older kids, can that play out in a more of a, a feeling of distance from them, like yeah. they just turn their back to you? Absolutely. So it's the physical turning their back. They're not going to communicate because they go, well, that 
doesn't seem to go well when I do or they're too busy or, you know, it's not always that you're busy. It could, it could be that you're going through something. Children are incredibly sensitive to our emotions. So, and, and often kids don't want to lumber you with theirs as well. So they will protect you in a way. So they will just hold on to that sort of stuff. And I find that when I talk to um, kids at school that, you know, I say, oh, have you talked to your mum or dad about that? And they go, oh, no, they're they're too busy or I said, oh, are they really busy? Oh, they've got a lot going on, so I don't want to bother them. So they've sort of picked up that you're busy with your stuff so their stuff can just wait. But as soon as you start to realise that, which you sometimes don't because they'll just look fine and go off and do their own thing, but especially with, you know, early teens, you'll start to see them sort of shut down a bit um, to talking or they go, oh, I'm fine. Again, which is a miscue because they're really not fine, but they haven't felt safe or they, you haven't, to them, felt approachable. You're in such a unique position because not only are you a parent educator, but you're also a school counsellor as well. So you mm. see it from both sides, don't you? I do, and I love that because I feel like I, I can be a bit of an advocate sometimes. And I love talking to parents because I go, this is what kids are saying. This is sometimes what kids are thinking because if I can build a relationship of trust with me, they will tell me and they might go, you're the only one that really listens. And I go, oh, that's really sad. Let's do something about that. Let's, let's work on, I can sometimes give them the parent perspective of, well, maybe this is what's happening, but then I can talk to the parent and go, you know, you might not have noticed because they look fine, but sometimes they're feeling a little bit neglected or they're feeling like they can't come to you. But I love being able to see the multifaceted approach. The way you build trust with those school children, are there some tips you can pass on to us mums to help us build that level of trust? Yeah, that's that's actually a really good question because, um, mind you, it's a lot easier with someone else's children than your own. I, that's what I, I was wondering. Is it possible? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I think I've gotten better at it as my children have gotten older because you take the emotion out of that conversation and it's way easier. You have your invested interest in them as it's your they're your children to parent and you've got that emotional connection. It is a lot harder. It's like when I worked at Tresillion, I could easily settle someone else's child because I wasn't all, you know, upset. And so, yeah, it's that calming down. But in saying that, it's the empathy. Empathy is the big, big key in all of this. If I can go, that must be tough or, oh, that must be hard for you. And then I instantly have a connection because they know that I care and I really do care about them. So I think that makes it easier as well for me to not have to problem solve for them, which we as parents, we jump into that space of, okay, how do I make this better? How do I fix it? What do I have to do? Whereas in my space, I get more practiced at, okay, what do you think you could do? Or, you know, how, so I suppose as a counsellor, you put a bit of a counsellor hat on. Not that you want to show that to your children because, you know, my children will have a, have a go at me going, oh, you're being a counsellor. You know, you don't ask that question. So how does that make you feel? Which is rather patronising, but it's, it's giving that empathy to go, you know, what? Oh, that must be hard. What, what do you think? What do you think we could do about that? Have you got any ideas? And so you are just putting on that empathy hat, which you we quite easily do with everybody else but our own children. You know, we do it with our friends. You wouldn't have many friends if you just always, you know, 
rampaged in with, well, you know what you should do, you should do this, or, oh, that's not so bad, you know, this is what I did. Like if you went with those responses, you'd, they'd shut down. It's the same with your children. You come in with empathy and understanding and care for who they are and they will open up a lot more, which again strengthens that bond because they go, you're a safe person to talk to. You're not judging me. You're not dismissing me. You've got time for me. It's all those messages that they pick up in their heart. You spoke a moment ago about kids saying to you, oh, I don't want to burden my parents with um, my feelings because they're going through a lot. Now, when you said that, a warning mm. bell rang in my head of like, well, don't tell your kids what you're going through. But then you know, sometimes I feel, oh, mummy's tired today. Like, how do you walk the line of being open and transparent with your children, but mm. also not burdening them with your own problems? Yeah. Well, how much to tell children is is a really hard one. And I work with a lot of parents who are separated as well. So it's like, what do you tell them? What do you not? So that they still feel safe. So I think the bottom line is that they feel safe and that you've got this. You're in charge and all is right with the world because mum and dad have got this. When they start to take on some of those responsibilities and care for themselves, that's when they're probably not going to come to you so easily. But I think it's it's being honest with how you're feeling. If you've had a really bad day, it's going, mummy's really tired, but I'm going to be okay. It's always following it up with, but, you know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, and it's also modelling how you're going to feel okay again, you know, because um, learning how to self-regulate, which is dealing with big emotions, is a taught thing. It's taught in relationship with your child. So it's you going, oh, I'm really angry about this and this happened and this happened. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit down here for a minute. I'm going to take some big deep breaths. I'm going to tell myself it's okay. I'm going to get myself a drink of water and I'm just going to take a moment. Then I'm going to be much better. But also communicating that, and I'll coin this phrase, you know, bigger, stronger, wiser, kind. It's in that moment, despite what is going on for you, you know, if it's really bad, obviously you pass it maybe on to the, your partner or you go, I just need a little break before we can talk about what's going on for you just so mummy's feeling really good and I can, I've got the capacity to listen to what you're saying. But it's also um, realising that in that space you need to be the parent and you need to be the bigger person who sort of takes um, control. You need to be the stronger one who can somehow park some of those feelings that you're dealing with and go right now, I just need to be the parent for them because they don't know how to park things quite so well and they're not quite as good at it as me. I love this mantra. This is the circle of security mantra, which is bigger, stronger, wiser and kind. It's so easy to remember. Yeah. And it is. Um, and I mean, I didn't mention the last two, which is the wiser and yeah. the kind part. So important because in the moment, if you're all really emotional and upset, you're not going to have the wisdom. You know, that part of your brain is temporarily shut down at that point to what the wise thing to do right there is. So it's, again, taking that time to calm down for yourself. But the kind part, children need a parent who, like I said, is approachable. And that parent is going to be someone who's kind, who you can go to and feel that unconditional love no matter what they've done that is going to kindly even put you into line but do it in a beautiful way that you still feel, you know, that you're the most important thing to them. I'm glad you mentioned that because you're a mum of four like me and 
sometimes we just need compliance. I mean, it doesn't matter how many children you have. You have one child. Sometimes you just need compliance. Sometimes I need to be, you know, the Von Trapp family with the whistle and I need my kids to fall into line. How can we get rid of the bad behaviour but do it whilst maintaining that bond? Yes. Well, that is another element that the um, circle of security does say is an important aspect is the taking charge. And uh, children actually feel safe when we take charge. So boundaries and routines are still really important. And unfortunately, sometimes the bearer of that taking charge and of coming to that line is us as a parent. And it's hard. It's hard to, and that's, I think that's the stronger part, is that sometimes you don't want to be rejected by your child. You don't want to say no. You don't want them not to like you. But unfortunately, somebody has to do that job and uh, for them to feel safe so they know where the line is and that they get the message that I feel safe because mum or dad are in charge of what's going on here. So it is, yeah, always going, well, we have, there are consequences for behaviour. It's not just every man for himself here. And, you know, but the bottom line is our behaviour affects everybody else. So, you know, even if you bring it down to a moral principle that everyone is precious So if we do something that offends somebody, upsets somebody, does something mean, you're offending somebody else and you're hurting somebody else. So there always has to be guidelines and rules for a family to function. And then when children learn those boundaries within the family context, which is a loving, accepting place, they're going to be way more able to take that um, respect for boundaries out into the public realm, which is like going to school. So you're you're actually doing your child a favour by bringing routines and consequences for things that you are trying to shape. And maybe bringing back to that point on empathy, you know, if you're telling your child, for example, no more screen time today and Mm -hmm. they're having a massive meltdown, you can do that, you know, just shut up and do what I say or can you do it in a more empathetic way to help maybe not weaken the bond so much. And that's the kind part of those four things because you are recognising with your understanding of your age child what's going to be hard for them and or where their attention lies or even whether they can break their attention easily. So it's like, you know, the five-minute warning was one of my best (laughs) kept secrets. I think it was sort of like, okay, in five minutes' time it's we're going to do the bed routine. We're going to clean your teeth. But I'm not going to just go, okay, come here now. We're going to put the timer on and you've got five minutes to finish your game because I can see you're really loving that game and it's really important to you. But in five minutes, that's when um, we're going to start the routine. So it's respect, like you were saying at the beginning, respecting them and their needs, um, but also realising that things need to be done like getting out of the house in the morning, you know, that's not an easy task. If we just went, yeah, whenever everybody gets around to it, it it just wouldn't happen. You do have to take charge in those moments, but it's for everybody's good and it's for a reason. And even as children get older, giving them the moral reason why we do things. Kids, especially little preschools, they love to know why about everything. So it's like because we care about other people, we work together as a family and sometimes have to do things that we don't want to do, but we're working together. If a mum listening to this right now is feeling really disconnected with her child, what would be something they could go home and do today? And maybe give one for the three age brackets we've been talking about, starting with the sort of naught to five. 
Yeah. Well, as I said, not to fives just want you. <laughs> so I think the best way to connect with them is definitely eye contact. So maybe put down in, putting down the phone or the laptop um, and just giving them undivided attention. The physical touch, you know, working out what their love language is, you know, is it touch? Is it words of encouragement? Do they love to just be built up and told how wonderful, amazing they are? Do they love just spending time with you, sitting um, with you listening to them talk and talk and talk and talk and ask questions. Do they like you playing with them? You know, do they like you getting involved in the game that they're doing and you be this and they be that? And so there's that joining together of hearts in that moment where you're actually with them, listening, attentive. Five to tens, as I said, it's about coming back to listening, really listening to them, being available, making that time after school or whenever you get a real priority to as I said, put everything down, but just really going, I just really want to know about your day. And I mean, kids don't always want to talk about their day when they first come home, but when you're ready, you know, and it might be feeding them too. You know, it might be another one of those love languages, acts of service is doing something for them, making them a snack after school or something. That's, that helps build bonds. You know, you're not necessarily talking their ear off with what happened today, and but it's just doing something that lets them know that you love them. And it's under, starting to get to know them um, better. What really makes them tick? Who are they? What are their passions? What do they get excited about? What do they love doing? And you get to the heart of them then, and then they feel connected to you like a close friend. What I'm hearing here is it's a lot more about quality than quantity. So for us working mums that sometimes feel a bit guilty, oh, you know, I'm not spending as much time with my kids as I would like. It's actually about making those times that you are with them mm. really good quality times. Absolutely. You could spend the whole day with your child and still not connect with them. But you could spend half an hour, an hour and do it deliberately with all other distractions gone. And they feel like the most important person in the world. And that's the message that you're trying to give them. In the circle of security, one of the needs the children have on the top and the bottom of the circle is to delight in me. And you actually want them to feel delighted in, not because of what they do, not because of what they don't do, but just for who they are. And that is the foundation of self-esteem, is knowing that if I did nothing, if I achieved nothing, my family, my mum, my dad would still think I'm the most amazing person in the world because they love me for who I am. And if you can get that message across, you're starting to really build a good foundation for the years later when they're a little bit further away from you and, and you don't have that time. You know, the, I hear parents go, oh, they're just on my leg or they're just always hanging around. I go, yes, enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't seem as enjoyable at the time because you've got so many other things to do. But one day they won't be in that place close to you. So that time to show them that delight is when they are just wanting to be so close to you. And then in the 10 to 15, I even think um, if there has been a bit of a, what they call a rupture in the relationship, it's saying to them, look, I'm really sorry I haven't been available to you. I'm sorry if I haven't felt approachable to you. I'm sorry I get so distracted with my work or my whatever it is that I'm doing. But you know what? I really want to make an effort because you are worth it because you matter to me a lot. So um, the times that we're going to have together, I'm going to make it matter. So actually having that conversation, I think melts a child's heart because basically what every child wants is a relationship with their parent. I think through life, you know, we all, we never stop wanting that. It's a connection that we are designed to have and have close and, and have 
be precious to us. So I think in that time, it's, you know, it's like recognising that it's never too late. So if you've got a 15-year-old that doesn't want to talk to you and, you know, just comes home, goes into the bedroom, comes out to eat, comes back in, like it's sort of, it's trying to squeeze in those seams of gold in amongst the day where you actually build connection with them. Bigger, stronger, wiser, kind. Thank you so much, Kayleen. My pleasure, absolute pleasure. Healthy Her was presented by me, Amelia Phillips, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Live Proud, sound production by Matt Nikolich. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Healthy Her. And for more tips and insights on this topic, visit my show notes at ameliaphillips.com.au.